another edition of the Bullheaded Podcast. I'm your host, per usual, Sean Tyson, here with Zoo and P. Bush. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. Got to spend the weekend with uh, my boy Zoo and our other buddy Eric in NYC this weekend. And got to lose Boston, losing, man. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a good weekend. Beautiful weather out there in the Big Apple. And then some hell of an NBA, man. Those game six and seven of that Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe not a game seven, but game six. That was a hell of a fourth quarter. Zoo and I had a we had a lot, little live bet going. And uh, we were both sweating it out for, honestly, that whole fourth quarter was just back and forth. Boston just kind of blowing it there at the end. But Derek White, once again, the only guy that showed up when they needed it. Mm. Yeah, for sure, man. Good seeing you in person, NYC, man. And I got to give you congrats on that Miami Heat's future pick of the mm-hmm. even the Eastern Conference champions pick. That was a ballsy pick, man. Thank that you, was sir. a very ballsy pick. Obviously, the Knicks, yeah, okay, that's barbecue chicken. Cute barbecue story, chicken. whatever. But the Celtics, man, I definitely had the Celtics over the Miami Heat this year. But, man, Hemi Butler, man. <laughs> and the second best player ain't hey Bam out of bio, man. C-Mart, man. C-Mart uh, money, man. Caleb Mart, man. Showing absolutely. out, man. Showing out, man. Ain't Kevin Love. Ain't Bam out of the bio, man. Ain't any of those dudes. It's Caleb Martin has been balling out. If you guys didn't see, he got a lot of votes of winning Eastern Conference champion yeah. player, like MVP. He was only one vote behind one Jimmy Butler, mm. which is incredible for an undrafted player, man, for a guy that was off the bench, who was a guy that was not even in the rotation last year. He was on last year in game seven. He was on that DMP, man, the nip, man, coach's decision, mm-hmm. man. Like the dude wasn't even in the rotation. And you see this year, man, being a vital role, man, hitting over 25 points, man, 26 points and 10 big rebounds. So he balled out. So shout out to Miami Heat for getting it done. Mm. Yeah, man. You know, I was, you know, watching Game Six. I was out. I was saw the, you know, tip in, and then when I saw that, you know, the buzzer didn't sound before he got it up. Derek White, that is. I was just like, man, I, you know, Miami's just dead to rights because that type of emotional letdown mm-hmm. in any type of sport where you just lose, especially when you're doing a best of seven, like even though you know what's not over in that moment, it's just I know all your emotions are probably coming to you. So. um Salute to the Miami Heat for getting off the mat and really making the game seven just not competitive. And that's where we're going to start, man. Just, you know, this whole series, like I say, we we recorded last, I think, Monday or Tuesday. And it's just a roller coaster of events that happened in this series. You know, Miami prevailed and made it to the NBA Finals. But I kind of wanted to go back and just talk about the series. And Azu, I'm going to start with you on this one. Yeah, for me, man. Last time we spoke, man, it was 3-0, man. We're talking about breaking <laughs> we were we were talking about breaking up the Boston Celtics, man. We're yeah, not we thinking were. about trading Draylen Brown. That's what we're, that's where the topics were right now, because it looked like it was gonna be a sweep or maybe in five. But but like what they did, man, they almost made history. Like we gotta give props to this team for almost making history. Because coming yeah. back to tie it up, man, that is mad impressive, especially mentality wise. Because if you're down 3-0, in the back of your head, you're like it's never been done in NBA history. Like it's like, it like zero and 150 plus. So look at all the scenarios, man. Are you going to be that outlier? Are you going to be able to make history with the roster with so much, uh, so much, so much drama in the beginning of the year, man? Mm-hmm. So like what they did, they blew them out two games. Like two of those games, yep. absolute massacre. And like, and there were, and one of them was at Miami. So it was not just at home. They were at Miami and just whooped them. Those games, those two games were even competitive. And then obviously we had the D White game where that dude made an all time play, man. So that was an all time play, yep. that all time tip in, like that was that was probably the best 
playoff game this year. That fourth quarter yeah, was in test. Absolutely. Back and forth, man. Derek White, Jimmy Butler hitting big threes. Jason Duncan. Tatum, man. Like Duncan Robinson bricking some open threes, man. Ugh. So that game, that game had it all. All the drama, right. man. And the way it ended, Jimmy Butler hitting all the free throws to take the lead, thinking he got it in the bag. They were legit like one possession away from advancing to the NBA Finals in game six. And then D.Y. comes and saved the day, even though that Marcus Smart 3 was halfway down. I got to give it him was. props to that. He man. almost hit it. He almost hit it, man. Like the game plan of Eric Spoltra, double team Jason Tatum, man. Boom. Yep. Marcus Smart, he's like, okay, I got to get the ball. Chucks it up, man. Max Struess was off the double team, so it was hard for him to get back to the play. So it was just a play design. And D.Y., get a lucky bounce. Boom. He was there, cashed in the lucky bounce, and got it in, man. So 0.2 seconds, man. That, that game mm-hmm. was incredible. But, man, oh, man. Closing the deal in Game Seven, though, coming back from that heartbreak, man, that is a mentality, man. Because I would be freaking defeated. Just think about it. you were point two seconds away from advancing <laughs> to the NBA, advancing the NBA Finals. That was yeah. some Miami Heat, San Antonio Spurs, oh, Ray yeah. Allen shit, man. Like they were getting the trophy Absolutely. out. They probably get, yeah, so we're probably getting ready right, to get out that Eastern out, yeah. Conference trophy out for Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat, man. Just waiting, mm-hmm. just waiting right there. But man, oh man. I'm glad the Celtics made the series a lot more interesting than it was because we already had a sweep over in the West. Like, they were competitive game, but it was, it was still a 4-0 sweep. Like, this series, it was close to being another sweep. But, man, oh, man, shout out to the Celtics for making this series compelling. Some great basketball for the NBA Finals because it would have been a long week of no NBA if it was a 4-0 sweep. <laughs> it would, week. yeah. Because we know how they, they kind of already have the final schedule set, man. So yep. it's just like you're just kind of waiting. And then right. the teams, you know, they could – if, you know, two 4 sweeps, you're like, oh, they get more rest. Yeah, well, they could also get a little rusty too in that time sure. off period. So, you know, it obviously does help the Nuggets. You know, we've, we've seen Jamal Murray have some injuries in years past, right? So I'm sure him having a little bit of rest period is good. Joker, he's going to be doing his thing, man. The man, I love the, I love the comparison that he always looks like he's playing in flip-flops, man. I think that's one of the funniest things. <laughs> That I've seen on the internet regarding his game, but Zoo, I, I got to shout it out, man, because this was the theme of the weekend of our conversations in New York was Bam Adebayo in the paint, man. I, you know, Crash. a lot of people, you know, he's a great player, and I think you know, especially in the bubble, we saw unbelievable play from him, especially on the defensive side, and even kind of you know the couple years subsequent to that, um, you know, he was pretty much putting up twenty. In not quantitatively consistently. Now we just can't hit anything in the paint, man. Maybe it was just how they were playing him. If it was Rob Williams affecting him, it was just missing bunnies like left mm-hmm. and right. And then he just pull up from jump shots. And, oh, you're like, you know, that's a little, little bit of this game, but I don't know. He's tough to watch. So they needed Caleb Martin, man, in this series, and he showed up bigger than any other player I think I've ever watched in the playoffs, to be honest. Um, I, I'd argue that it was almost a, and he was obviously a more better, a better player, but Jason Terry for the 2011 Mavs, man, Caleb Martin was giving me those type of vibes with some of the shots he was hitting, <laughs> you know, but the schematics that Spolstra was allowing his team, they were getting out and running, getting open shots compared to the Celtics, just taking all these contested threes. And we need to talk about that, man, because the last two games they shot, what, a combined maybe 18 to 20% <sighs> total as a team from three. That's, that's three, unacceptable. Bro. And and, and something that you just have to realize when you're in the game, like, why do, look what Derek White was doing in Game 7. He was finally just like, he was a great three-point shooter all series for them. But he knew they weren't getting the easy bucket, so he started taking it upon himself to drive in the lane, get those and ones, even though there might have been some touchy calls there uh, from Tony Brothers. 
But that was going to be the way that they had to come back. He brought him within six at one point, and then they just couldn't get stops. Obviously, Tatum's ankle was, uh, you know, bothering him. You could tell pretty much throughout the entire game. And once again, Zoo, Jalen Brown, man, as many turnovers as field goals made in game seven. <laughs> we, I, I, I was a defender of him in the playoffs, mainly because of last Same. year. You know, he, he, he just had – it was poor decision-making by that entire team. I'd say the only two guys that played well were Derek White and Rob Williams at certain points. He had some big offensive rebounds to keep some plays alive. Once again, you can't play him that many minutes when the Heat are playing small ball and their tallest guy is six foot nine. So, I don't know, man. It, it's I'm happy. I had the Heat. Of course, I'm going to be riding that bandwagon. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think we can agree that – I'm sure we'll get into it shortly, but – the Nuggets are very much favored against either one of those two teams that were going to be coming yeah. out of the East. You know, the Celtics, I think at the beginning of the season, if you would have said, hey, this was the finals matchup, we probably would have been like, all right, the Celtics are one of the most talented teams in the league. But Charles, like Charles Barkley said postgame, man, you can only rely on talent so much. You know, he had some very colorful comments for the Boston yeah. Celtics. Let's just put it that way. But he's right. I mean, he was right. This team is one of the most stacked teams, you know, especially in their role playing. I mean, every one of their role players can give you 15. Zoo and I were talking when you're betting on, you know, the Celtics, it's really hard to pick who's going to score 15 plus points in a game because it could be smart. It could be Derek White. If Brogdon's healthy, he could give you 15. You know, Al Horford, if he's hitting his threes, Grant which, my Williams. God, he, he disappeared. Grant Williams had some good moments, too, in this series. But what it came down to was is anytime the Celtics were in a pressured situation, they either lost the game or they almost blew it. Those first three games, those two at home were very pressure-oriented, and they lost them both, game one and two. Game three, you needed to win that game, really, to keep yourself in. Obviously, they ended up forcing seven, but you know, you'd know, you assume a 2-1 is way better than 3-0, and they lost that one. And then they just had nothing to lose in games four and five, and those were relatively easy wins, and then they yeah. almost blow game six. Mm -hmm. So you know, it, it's just maybe the pressure is too much for this team, but man, I don't say I don't want to go back to the whole blowing up conversation that we had last week. But some of those role guys, man, I think we got to reconsider at least maybe schematically how they need to approach this this team. Brogdon, uh, I was kind of a little disappointed in how he played last night too. Um, yeah, I think coming off injury for the season. Yeah, he's coming off injury, and I was thinking, you know, the whole conversation around Boston has always been like, what are you going to do, um, like at the point guard position. Brogdon to me right. kind of just seems like the same type of guy they've had in that position, whether it was Schroeder, whether it was Kyrie, um, Terry Rozier. They it's just a guy who's score for score type first point guard. Um and Derek White's kind of in that same mold. But to Derek Wright White's credit, he attacked. Like, you know, Bam out of bio, we've seen his struggle. Like we've seen him be up and down. So Derek White was just like, I'm gonna get into the lane. I don't I don't think any of these guys can take me or hold me off the bounce. I'm just going to try to create, you know, contact, something. Like you said, a couple of those calls were iffy, but I do think just him forcing the issue, it kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but, you know, I do think with Jalen Brown, part of his issue was Tatum when he got hurt. I just think he thought, okay, now it's my time to be a hero. And he tried to be a hero, it just didn't work. Yeah. And I think his 23 shots was just him pressing because he saw Tatum didn't have it. And, you know, I want to give Miami credit. Tatum stayed out there and played, and even though he was a little compromised, they got him in a couple of travels. And I wrote this down. Like, what's even insane about Jalen Brown, like, all his turnovers, like, I still think for the series, Tatum had, like, 
one more. I think he had 26 turnovers for the series, and Tatum and Brown had 25, which is that's actually crazy. As your as your as your wing like yep. players, you cannot have your two best wings just giving the ball away. Like you either got to be like, for instance, last night. Not only was they giving the ball away, like they wasn't making threes, and it's kind of funny, like not funny, but I guess you're just looking back on it. Boston, and I, you can probably say this about every team in the NBA, but like when a team is hitting threes, they're just unbeatable, and that's what the game is now. Yep. Like even yep. if you have, exactly. even if Boston would have had all those turnovers they had last night, if they make half of those threes, like this is a competitive game in the fourth quarter, and that's mm-hmm. just kind of what it is now. And you know, with Jalen Brown, he still has trouble, like dribbling in traffic it's not so much because he can dribble to get into his move but when he's like you know yeah. with two guys around him he just mm-hmm. always seems to lose the ball and i don't know if that's just uh because i i doubt it's like he's going to start since like i'm not working on my dribbling i don't think that's what it is i just think he just that's just not his strong suit like you almost wonder if he just becomes a guy that's like a one dribble pull up or like a downhill you know off of action getting it and going towards the rim because just like if it's any type of scenario where he's a shot creator, which is another reason why some guys like Kyrie, which, you know, he comes with a lot of trouble. Well, one thing he just knows how to do is get his own shot. And that's because his handle's so elite. Like he's going to always get his own shot. Even when he probably becomes less athletic. Cause if he just has the dribble, he's going to build to get to his spots. But, um, Caleb Martin for sure. Gabe Vincent, even though, you know, you saw he, I think it was game six. He missed, or was it game five? I'm not sure. Game um, five. You saw his impact. <laughs> Got to oh, yeah. give a little bit of credit to Kyle Lowry. I will say one play that I think was a really big momentum shift was I think Boston had it's like eight or nine, and the crowd started getting into it, and there was a corner three at the Miami bench that he made that was kind of like a little bit of – I don't know if he was trying yep. to get a screen or if he was just – he was, you know, just trying to make it was a play. A tough shot. He made that big – yeah, it was a big shot at that moment. I think pushed it back to 11 or 12, and I was just like, you know, Kyle Lowry is not the guy you're going to depend on as like the point guard, and we all know he's overpaid. But man, it's just those type of plays. He like he makes me, he'll make two me, threes a game where it's like, oh, we're we're in the uh, Dude, we're, we're still here. We were at a bar right when that shot hit. I just looked right over at Zoo. I said, "Look, man, you were just talking <laughs> shit. He always hits a shot right after you start talking shit, man." And he just laughs. He's, he's good at that. He's good at that. Yeah. Like he's just he's not. No starter like Gabe Vincent should be starting like no, but Kyle Lowry this portion of his career, he he and, and you know we're gonna talk about the final, but he's gonna he's gonna be vital like he's gonna make a couple of plays where it's just they like wait, Kyle too. Lowry's got twelve points like what the hell like where'd that twelve come from? Um, okay, we but, gotta chill with the Kyle Lowry talks, man. The brother <laughs> shot had it averaged six points on thirty nine percent shooting, man. Let's yeah. chill out the Kyle Lowry talk. No, we're just talking about the game seven. That uh, was just the game shot. seven. Yeah. Okay, okay. He had okay. He actually shot fifty percent for one. Not the series. Good for Kyle. Yeah, good for Kyle. Because in the series, he was pretty bad. Yeah. Like yeah, I would say the series against, against like the New York Knicks, he was objectively okay. He was like a nice like six man guy. He was like yeah. playing his role and he was pretty productive. But this was a really bad series. Like Gabe Vincent's scoring ability, that, that guy could shoot it. Like that guy has yeah. the greenest light. <laughs> I've ever seen at the mm-hmm. point guard position. Yeah. Like the dude does not get any assists. Like the guy, every time he gets the ball, if he gets like a decent look, not an open look, if he he's gets like a it. decent look, he's shooting it. He's shooting. Mm-hmm. It. I think that's that was one of the reasons that Mr. Spolstra benched him in game seven. Like he wanted Cal Lowry him because more of a pass first guy to settle down the offense. So that's why uh, Mr. Vincent got benched. But yeah, mm. but man, Cal, Cal Lowry. Uh, Cal- Listen, listen. It was just the game seven, and I also think too. This may be overstated, but I also think too. Part of with the game six being so dramatic and just crazy for the team itself with Miami. 
I think having a veteran leader in there, like you already got Butler, but you have Kyle Lowry in there to just, you know, they got Spolster who's been you know, tested, but he's, you know, he's coached LeBron and Dwayne. So those guys are nothing to him, but he, you know, having <laughs> Kyle Lowry in the locker room, bro, like I think that matters a lot. And, you know, I won't say he's like Andre Iguodala because Kyle Lowry is actually playing and having some type of success. But I think that presence in the locker room does help a guy like Gabe Vincent, who was a G League guy. And, you know, Caleb Martin has Jimmy Butler to look at. So, uh, you know. Bam needs to talk can... to Udonis about his paint game, man. That's all I'll say. <laughs> well, you know what I think Bam's thing is? I think Udonis with Bam, I, I think Udonis probably just looks at Bam. Like, he's Udonis comes, comes off as a guy. Yeah, he's just like, I don't he's even know if he, like, What's wrong with I don't man? think he has that. Like, yeah, I don't – Udonis doesn't seem like a guy – he'll mentor you, but if you don't have the basic skill set that he's looking for, I don't think he's even going to take yeah. the time to do it. Like, that's just a waste not, of his time. I feel like – He is, man, because if you look at his physical tools, man, he's like 6'9", 250, extremely athletic, got all the physical tools, yeah. stretch four, stretch five type of dude, got like a smooth-looking jump shot. But the brother in the paint is just atrocious. Like, I saw a couple possessions with Derek White on him. Derek White, yeah, a point guard. A, and they, yeah, they're just that. missing buddies. I'm like, yo, man. And they're like, bad hey, misses, man. It, like, he's just not good in the paint. I remember saying this before, game seven. His points possession in the post, man. Point two points, man. That dude is a black hole. If he gets a possession in the post, that's a W, man. That's an automatic W. He's not productive in the post. Like, when they have him in the post, they want him to be as a pass-first guy, try to get a cutter. Mm-hmm. So, Tucker Robinson had a nice cut, looking for an open shooters. But if you have Bam out of bio, if I'm the game plan, or if I'm the other team, I'm trying to force this dude to go one-on-one in the post and try to make him drop 30 on us. Because his ability, his his best ability on offense is passing. It is not scoring the basketball. It's not shooting mm-hmm. the offense basketball. Rebounding like, too, like, exactly. So, like, get the nitty-gritty work. Like, he ain't that number two, like, stereotypical number two option on offense. He's a complimentary guy. Like, he gets his rebounds, plays elite defense. But offensively, man, he has struggled tremendously in the playoffs. And this is not the first time. Like, we've mm-hmm. seen this multiple times in previous playoff appearances. Last year. When yeah, last year. Yeah, sometimes he just doesn't have, like, confidence in his jump shot. Like, his jump shot is very, like, something they leave him wide open for a mid-range. Like, if you're wide open for a mid-range, take that with confidence. But sometimes he just looks at it like, Man, I'm so wide open. You get a little nervous, man. Like, you try to drive against, uh, like, a Rob Woods or something and bricks it. So, like, bam out of bio. You got to figure out that offensive end because you're going to need more production against, against a higher power. Uh, yeah, against, like, a higher-powered offense that's upcoming in the future. Like, you need to be able to put up some buckets because the guy – like, you ain't going to be playing against Al Horford or Rob Williams yeah. in your next matchup, man. You're playing against a guy that might be going out one of the all-time setters. So, Bam Adebayo, yeah, who is 0-6 against Jokic is in career. He's never beat him. Jokic is going to eat his lunch money. So, he's got to really, really step up if the Miami Heat ever got a chance because he was a weak leak on offense. Like, and, they, and they shouldn't. Weekly. And I, and I don't think – the zone is going to be very effective if they want to try to pull that with Dallas because Jokic will eat that up in a heartbeat. Like, I don't even think Boston had the capability. Like, a Rob Williams cannot do what Jokic does. So, I think if they try to pull that 2-3 zone, I think the 2-3 zone, if they try to get Denver, will be a very quick, okay, let's try this and let's get out of it because I don't think it's going to be super successful. But it's like well, with Bam, he has to – he's going to have to take that challenge of trying to battle Jokic, which we can talk about now. Well, I was just going to say real quick because you made the point about the zone, Sean. You know what's actually really disrespectful that Spolster put that out there? Because how do you beat a zone? You shoot your way out of it. And he had zero confidence in the Celtics' ability to shoot their way out of that zone. 
that he was like, I'm daring you to beat us this way, and we will just go down, and we're going to get our mid-range, we're going to get our layups, we'll hit... I mean, to be fair, they hit over 50% of their threes as a team. They shot lights out. They shot lights lights out. out. But it's because they were getting such good penetration in the paint, and you have to respect their mid-range, that there's always going to end up being one guy open. And besides Bam, everybody on that floor can shoot on the Miami Heat with confidence. Yep. You know what I think, too, that also signified about you saying, like, I just I want to see if you guys can be as a shooting. I think he probably saw a little bit of choke, chokeness in the Boston Celtics. He probably mm-hmm. thought like they're not gonna have the confidence to make these shots. Yeah. So I think now some people will bring up Tatum's injury, but I don't I don't want to use that as an excuse. Like I do think he looked at Boston like they don't play well at home. All the pressure weirdly shifted to them because even though they'll, you know, Miami get with this huge lead, like it's still you're the you know, I think Miami's still telling themselves, like, listen, we're the playing team. Like, the these team, guys yeah. are the number two. Like, <laughs> like what they're supposed to be, they're supposed to be already chilling like Jokic and them are, like, getting ready for the NBA Finals. And they're having to battle us in a game seven. Like, like we've seen this kind of script before. We're going to talk about it later with Boston. But, you know, I, I'll save that. But looking forward to the NBA Finals. Only thing I'm going to be interested in seeing is, one, we just talked about it now, Bam's matchup with Jokic. That is going to be critical. If Bam could just maybe affect him a little bit, that gives him a, a fighting chance. I know Jimmy's going to do what he's going to do, but the thing that concerns me about that is the bodies that Denver can throw at him. Like, you could probably put a KCP on him. You could probably put an yep. Aaron Gordon Aaron on. Gordon. Um, You're going to be able to, like, throw bodies at Jimmy, which you probably kind of thought you could do with the Boston Celtics, but these guys, KCP is more of a specialist with defense, and Aaron Gordon is a bigger athlete just in terms of his, you know, wingspan and things like that. Um, So that's going to be an interesting uh caveat to the series because I do think Jamal's gonna do what he does and I think Jokic is gonna do what he does but I don't know man it's I know it's I just don't feel comfortable now especially seeing what we see in the playoffs you'd be like yeah Denver's got this in five or six I just don't feel comfortable saying that because the same thing we said about the heat same thing we said about the Bucks even though Giannis was compromised for a couple of those games but still it's like I don't think it's would be smart to just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Denver is just going to roll past. Because what I think could happen, I think, in this first game, which I think will be very critical to the series, is I think Miami's only chance is if they try to get this first game. And I think they have a good chance because they've been playing. People talk about the rest and stuff. But I do think there's a thing with rhythm. And if there's a chance that, you know, Denver comes out sloppy because it's the first game and they haven't played in a week, even though if they if Miami would have swept, it would have been the same type of rest, but um, Denver does have the altitude, so Miami might have yep. to deal with that, but I just think if Miami has a rhythm and they're just able to steal that game one, I think it, it makes it very interesting because I do think the momentum and the you know whole aspect of team just with Miami, like they're very similar to Denver in terms of just their way they play through a team. Now, they don't have the talent, but I do think guys like Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, um, Duncan Robinson starting to show up a little bit. And then the X factor of Tyler Hero, like that may be a negative or a positive, but if he does truly come back in game three, if Miami can get a split and then you got Tyler Hero coming back for that home game, uh, who knows? But I just, I really don't know who's going to win this series. Logic says Denver, but it's like, man, like we looked at the Boston series and who was picking the heat, bro? We were excited about Jimmy, but it was like, nobody was like, okay, Boston's going to get done with them in five or six. So it was like, 
a team that keeps proving everybody wrong, why is it such a slam dunk that I know they got Jokic, which is that mm. we know he's an he's an yeah. X factor, but it's just mm-hmm. like, still it's just like what if Bam actually takes an assignment? It's like, okay, I'm gonna not stop Jokic, but bother him. What if he bothers him? Then it's like because then you know the pressure's all on Denver. Like there's no pressure on Miami. So that's another factor too. So if, what if Miami yeah. splits? Then it's like I mean I they have to. I just I'm, I they just don't want to doubt Jimmy. Like Jimmy is proving me wrong yeah. this entire playoffs. I just hard to go against Jimmy, man. No, like, I don't know, man. Okay, no, no, no. Okay, okay, okay. Let's first talk about Bam slowing down, Mister uh, Mister Jokic. Mister Jokic played against probably his toughest matchup <laughs> in your boy Anthony Davis, who's probably I would say in the entire NBA, he's probably one of the two defenders that you would imagine. Would slow down a guy like Nikola Jokic. And, and he, him six, and he's better yeah. than Bam Pete. Yeah. Yeah. Like, six eleven, bigger length, and on offense, you can make him work a lot more on defense. And that matchup, Jokic averaged a 27, 15, and 12. So Bam out of buy has zero chance. He has zero chance. Jokic, this brother might average a 30 points. Spoelstra is also a better coach, so maybe he puts him that, in better positions. I don't that know. is true. That is true. But I'm looking at the bigs for Miami. They're a very small team. Yeah, that's it. And <laughs> based on the number of chess pieces Zoo got. He doesn't got any pieces to match up against <laughs> a Jokic, man. Jokic is a queen out there just whooping ass, man. Ain't got a little pause like Bam out of bio trying to guard him. Ain't going to work, man. It ain't going to work. Like, I don't care how genius of a head coach Mr. Spolster is. He just doesn't got the pieces to deal with the guy. Unless you because you try double team him, he's going to give it to the shooters. You got MPJ, KCP, Jamal Murray, the snipers out there. Maybe try to expose Aaron Gordon a little more. Like, you go one-on-one coverage, barbecue chicken, man. It's over. So, like, you can't do anything with Jokic. And, like, I already said, I think he's the best player in the world. I think he's the best player in the world. And the way Jamal Murray playing as a second option, that dude looking like a top 20 player right now in the NBA right now. So, you got a complimentary star like this. I already said, that starting lineup, I remember on paper, in the regular season, before the playoffs, started, I'm like, that's a perfect starting lineup. Everybody plays their role to a T. It's like mm-hmm. every piece – meshes perfectly like that's the thing you guys talk about the celtics their piece like tatum and brown they don't mesh perfectly but because they have overlapping skill sets they have similar weaknesses same position turnover prone not great passers every piece on the nuggets fit perfectly and unless like a significant injury happens like the team's gonna be rolling on offense you're playing against a miami heat team even though they shot the lights out in the playoffs so far you're playing against the best offensive team they played in the playoffs like you ain't gonna beat the nuggets Dropping ninety five or a hundred points, man, that no. it ain't happening. This Nuggets team are, is going to be able to execute on offense. Defensively, they're not the best, but they're they're average. So, like Jimmy Butler, man, good luck, man. You're going to be needing thirty pieces and forty pieces because that's what yep. it takes to get it done against this Nuggets offense. Because I think this Nuggets offense is going to. How be Butler cooking. played against the Lakers in the bubble is what he's going to have to do. Yeah, that's what's going to take. Pretty much, like he's going to need it, like if if Butler could drop twenty, no. Nah. You're just gonna lose the game. You're gonna lose the game. Like, like unless Seymour's dropping thirty. Yeah, I love I love guys like Seymard and Duncan Robinson, man. But they those guys are not gonna be able to drop thirty points. And you guys you got two guys in Jokic and Jamal Murray. They can drop thirty pieces easily, man. Might, might be able yeah. to play. Guys like Jamal Murray does that in a half, man. So you got to <laughs> match the explosiveness on offense. And I just think Jokic right now, man, they're well rested. They're well rested. The home court advantage. They have the best home court advantage in the NBA. With an actual home court advantage outside of yeah. your pants, it's your freaking altitude up there, man. They're used to playing that. Jimmy Butler, they're tied right now after a, a grueling, not just physically, mentally, 
Like that was yeah. a grueling physical series and mental series with obviously don't want to be the first team in NBA history to blow a 3-0 lead and coming back and winning that game, even though it was a bit it was a blowout game. They are physically tired and mentally tired. While Jokic at home probably playing with his horse right now. Like just enjoying <laughs> his life with his family. Like legit, that's Thank probably you. what he's doing right now. Yeah. That's probably what what he's doing right now. So they are fully rested. Mentally, they're ready. And I feel like this on paper, they're the better team. But, man, Jimmy Butler, man, it's going to take you dropping 40 points. Okay? Like what, what Devin Booker was doing on the Phoenix Suns, it's going to take those all-time performances to, to beat this Nuggets team. Like LeBron James last game in the game-clutching game, he dropped 49-8. and eight. He was on one, and they were still able to close it out. So, like, you're going to need one guy on your team to drop 40 points. Who on that team could drop 40 points outside of Jimmy? Nobody. Nobody. No. They don't have a second dude with them. Gabe, Gabe Vincent would have more. to hit like nine like, threes. Yeah. Like, like, I love Gabe Vincent yeah. has a bunch of threes. Like, I love Seymour and Duncan Robinson and Kevin Love and all these guys. Like, they're just not going to – they don't have the capability. Their mm. peak, their ceiling of dropping that many points, it's not there. It's only Jimmy Butler. So, it's going to be grit and grind, slow down the pace, lower the possessions – Jimmy Butler finding three-point shooters, man, and Jimmy Butler getting buckets at an extremely high level, yeah. shooting 50-plus percent shooting. That's the key to winning, and I don't see it getting done. So I got the Nuggets in five. Five? Okay. Five that's games. fair. I mean, I'd say that that's – I don't think they'll sweep them. I think the Heat will at least steal one. I I, I have Denver in six. I'll just preface everything with that. That's um, what I got. But, you know, I think it's going to come down to – on the Heat side, Spolster is going to have to be on top of his game. Uh, and not saying that he hasn't been because he's arguably the secondary, maybe tertiary reason behind Seamart and Jimmy of mm-hmm. why they are where they are right now. But what I'm looking for in this series is, you know, the only thing I think you can knock on the Nuggets is if the Heat draw out this series, we've seen Jokic deal with fatigue. So, you know, the, the rest that he's had in between, you know, the conference finals and the finals will be big. But, you know, as you get later in the season, man, some of these big men end up getting very exhausted. And he's asked to do quite literally everything, everything for this team. Everything. <laughs> so the thing about the Nuggets is they they don't use many bench guys, right? They got Bruce yep. Brown off they the have, bench. They have two rotation guys two and Chris Brown, five to ten minutes at max. So exactly. seven man Bruce, rotation pretty much. And then Bruce, Bruce Brown, who's pivotal to their team as their Huge. sixth man. He needs to have a big series. They need MPJ to consistently be hitting his threes. Yep. And they need Aaron Gordon to be a pest on defense against Jimmy Butler, Caleb Martin. And then if Tyler Hero comes back, you know, that's another big thing. I think that, and Sean, you might have mentioned this last week when we were kind of starting to think, well, assuming that it was going yeah. to be a sweep, it obviously went seven, which to be <laughs> honest, I know the schedule is already set, but I feel like it also helped with Tyler Hero, you know, with his injury. Oh, too, yeah. Knowing that he has more time, time yeah. mm-hmm. right? You know, travel still traveling with the team. He's in the locker room. That's also a good thing. He's seeing and being around the guys that have brought this team. He's not just at home dealing with his injury, right? So they are the deeper team. Now, they're not the more talented team, but they do have more bodies that they can throw out at Denver. So, you know, we've seen guys come in. Highsmith, that, what was it? The, the yeah. Game five when Vincent went out, right? He earned yeah. minutes, man. The guy came in, even though they got blown out, he dropped like 19 points in that game. He hit some big shots. You know, just to get his own game going and show that he was worthy. You know, he was it him that pickpocketed Brown last night or Tatum? And that was, was like, Tatum, yeah. Yeah, pickpocketed him. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I mean, so if you can just be able to throw that guy out there for seven, eight minutes, maybe make Bruce Brown's life a living hell when he comes off the bench. It's it's Spolcher's going to have to be playing chess in this series if they want even a, a slim chance. 
They need Caleb Martin to also be dropping at least 23 a game, I think, around that point. I don't expect him to hold that 25-26, but if he can you know, at least stay above 20 a game, they need Duncan to be hitting his threes. No more taking one dribble, man. Just do it in rhythm. Just oh, do it yeah, in just rhythm, shoot Duncan. the ball, bro. Just shoot yeah. the ball. And bam out of bio. Just hit half your fucking shots in the damn paint, man. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Sorry for the yeah. Charles Barkley colorful language, man, but my God. <laughs> It was yeah, painful, you, and you yeah, ended up that guy. you ended up assuming when he was starting to take those five to ten foot floaters, which he loves to do, turn around, kind of a fake baby hook shot. You, I, I started assuming that he was just going to be missing every single one of them. So I don't know, maybe maybe just go and practice. His form's not bad either. So yeah, no, it's, it's not. It's t- maybe it's his touch. It's touch. He likes to use crazy. glass a little bit too much, I think, and then he gets too, uh, and then he loses his touch. I don't know, but yeah, man, I think the the home court advantage is huge. We also can't forget Mike Malone is a hell of a good coach as well. He's brought this team over the last eight seasons from very middling in the West to starting to become the powerhouse in the West with a lot of the changing of the guard with with some of these players getting older. And, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, kind of moving back and forth between conferences. They kind of have their own issues in Phoenix. Lakers obviously getting a bit older. And the Nuggets have kind of risen to the occasion. So they need to be pests against Jamal Murray. Because it is possible for him to have bad games. He can get a yep. little reliant on the three. Yep. Jokic, I'm going to allow him to get his. What I'm going to make hard for him is his ability to be the facilitator. I think if you yeah. can take out his That's facilitation, make him be the scorer. But mm, don't so let him out. out one coverage, man. No helping. Just try to make no him helping. go in the post and bang exactly. it out and drop 40. That's, yeah. Exactly. I drop 40. Because that's exactly what they did to the Lakers, the Nuggets. They said, LeBron, go get your 40. We're going to force Anthony Davis out of this game, mm-hmm. and we're fine with you getting a damn near triple-double at 40 points, and we're going to make Austin Reeves and Rui beat us, right? And that's what they need to do. They need to make MPJ, Aaron Gordon, and Bruce Brown beat them. And if they do, hats off to them. But so, the Heat yeah, are playing yeah, with so house money, cap, man. Yeah. The Heat are playing with house money, and they play, because of that, they play loose. And that just allows Spolstra to trust his team. He, the team knows that too, that they have the full trust of Spolstra, except maybe Gabe Vincent when the, they're almost about to blow a, a 3-0 lead. Then you, then you get Kyle Lowry in there to calm everything down. So that's the thing, man. They got, <laughs> the equalizer. They got, the equalizer, man. They got, they got guys for every single thing on this Heat team. And like you said, Zoo, Denver probably meshes better overall on a positional basis. But you can bring – any guy in on the heat and they can also be coming in and giving you a huge aspect, right? We didn't, we haven't even mentioned Max Struess who kind of had a rough series with the Celtics, man. So if he's back up to where he, where we expect him to be, which is funny to say that because it's Max Struess, man. Like, you know, are we expecting him to average 15 a game? But no, he needs to be hitting his threes. They need to be lights out, man. But I still got the nuggets and six, man. Either way, I'm going to be happy. Jimmy or, or, or Jokic, man, they both deserve a finals, man. I'm at the six point. It's just like my head is definitely saying the Nuggets, but it's just just Jimmy. Plus two, you know, Miami does have a history of having the wing guy as you, you know, go back into the history with Dwayne Wade and when he beat, who did he beat in that finals? Uh, Mavs. The Dallas. Dallas when he averaged 35 a game. Um, yeah. He, he did what Jimmy needs I wonder to if do. Jimmy's going to get like this if he just, because that, that, that could be a thing of like Jimmy just driving and, being aggressive and, you know, I do agree with your point about making Jokic more of a score, but it's like, what if this gets to, you know, a series where it's just, it's, you know, the foul calls are how they were last night, especially on Boston's end, and it's like, 
what if Jimmy, Jimmy's just get to the bucket and getting every call? What if that happens? <laughs> like, what if that becomes a possibility where Jokic in the first two or three games, he's just in foul trouble because Jimmy just continues to, like, draw contact? Because as much as, you know, we all know Jokic is going to be able to do it on the offensive end, like, defensively, like, if Jimmy just continues to drive the ball or if Bam gets any type of, you know, offensive awareness and just uses his athleticism to go off the bounce and maybe get into Jokic, like, that's just something that Miami's going to have to do. They're going to have to make Jokic a score, and they're going to have to be aggressive because they are playing with house money. And I do think that carefree attitude is going to benefit them well. But mm-hmm. I, it's the same thing I said about the Lakers series. They got to get the first two games. They got to get one. If they can get one, this is going to be an interesting series because I do Absolutely. think they're going back to, to Miami. And Miami's weird and, like, you would have never thought, and we're about to go to Boston, like, that Miami's home court felt more like a home court advantage in Boston. I felt like in Boston, it just the fans were trying to get there, but it just did not seem like that was a big home court advantage. And you saw how the Celtics played. They did not play well at home. So I do think Miami, once they all get in the building, because it does take them a while to get there, once they all get in the building, it's a pretty, you know, with the whiteout and all that type of stuff, it's a pretty, you know, decent home court advantage. So that's going to be an interesting thing too. But I do think they have to uh, – they definitely got to get the first two games. Because if Denver goes up 2-0, it could definitely be five. Mm-hmm. Definitely be five. Because yep. then we talk about house money. All of a sudden, Denver's playing with house money. Because now Jokic is going to be doing those little, you know, over-the-head oh, type man. shots. Oh, oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> crazy. Like, yeah, it's going to be a lot of horse shots going on, and they're going to go in. So, yeah, I think Miami has to split. And I think game one will be their best shot because they'll still have the regular plan. But, you mm-hmm. know, uh, belaboring a point, you know, I know we've mentioned a couple of times in this pod about the relationship of Tatum and Brown and segue into the Boston Celtics, you know, yet another disappointing game seven at home. Uh, last year they got to the finals and were able to push it six. Uh, you know, I want to, I want to, before we start getting into Boston's future, I want to give Mizzou a little bit of credit, like bringing that team back from three Oh, just being the head coach of the team who almost pulled off the incredible. That says a lot, you know, I don't know what his future is going to be, but I do think that was back. pretty cool to see him get, rally the team and get them back. And he was, you know, I was watching a couple of his post-game interviews. He was very gracious and just, um, he seems like a pretty good guy. You know, mm-hmm. and I do think it's kind of unfair. He just got thrust into this whole situation. Like, I mean, I think he only maybe had four or five years of experience. So um, it was good to see him get the team to battle back. But same thing with the Lakers, like with Boston. You don't get kudos for, you know, especially that franchise. You don't get kudos for, you know, going game seven in the conference finals. Getting close. I think a lot of it is you get to the finals, you play well in the finals, and you win the finals. There's no second-place type of stuff. So, um, you know, I guess I can kind of start what I think scenarios are in my head of what they should do. You know, I've always been part of the Tatum, Brown, Smart, you know, trio. One of them has to go. Uh, But if you want to look at it from a perspective of, Let's just say you want to bring some of them back or bring them all back. I think Boston's biggest need is they need a true point guard, like a true guard who every guard now can score. So, I mean, this just comes with it. But a guard who is focused on getting the stars set up, because even you could say in the first three games against Miami, a lot of those crunch time, especially the first two games, like a lot of those crunch time type of moments, you they really need a guard to like bring it up the court and look off Brown and look off Tatum and be like, look, we're not doing hero ball this possession. We're going to get into a set. We're going to get into a play. You're going to get a good shot. 
Tatum, I'm more than likely going to try to set you up into a mid-range or get towards the basket because I still believe Tatum is best when he's going towards the basket and shooting mid-range. I hate when he does the through the legs, through the legs, step back, three. Like That's such an mm-hmm. easy shot. And when he's hitting it, he's the best player in the world or the best player on the team. But when he's not hitting it, he's you know an average star. And I think they need a point guard who truly embraces being a point guard who's going to set up. I was thinking about this today. Like They can't afford him, but you know who would be the best – player like right now in terms of like age and like ability to like play make and play with stars would be chris austin paul. reeves i'm just kidding <laughs> well chris paul is too old but i'm saying young chris paul know, yeah but i think austin reeves would be a perfect compliment to tatum and brown because he first off was creating plays like i, I go back to the memphis series in that game one he's looking off braun he's on the court with ad he's doing two-man game with Rui hachimura Mm-hmm. And scoring, playmaking, setting up. You know, I remember he had that crazy behind the back pass that he threw to Hachimura and Hachimura yeah. drained the three. Like, he, I think he, and the Lakers have been talking about, like, because I've seen a couple of clips on, like, because Lakers are dominant coverage still. But it's just like, I've seen a bunch of, of clips from saying, like, they're, they want him to be the lead guard next year, like, to be the point, which you've seen it throughout the season. LeBron James, it's kind of like how Kyrie, but now Kyrie just got busy and he was more of a two guard. So LeBron was just throwing the ball and he would just, you know, go dribble and try to get an and one. But like Austin Reeves can dribble and can lead an offense. And I think in this series, if Austin Reeves was playing with Tatum and Brown, I think he could have got them into way better sets. I think he could have got Tatum going downhill. I think with how we talk about Jalen Brown can't seem to handle the ball in pressure situations. I think Reeves coming down with the ball and setting Brown up for, you know, a corner three or getting him off action. Like, I think a player like that could benefit Boston well. But my overall point is they, if they don't want to break it up, which I still think they should, um, because I was also thinking too, like, okay, well, okay, you get rid of Brown. You sign Brown to the match. That's, he's going to get the match. You sign him to the match, you go get a Damian Lillard. That does not fix your problem. Mm-hmm. Damian Lillard is a shorter version of one of those guys you just traded away, Brown. So now you're going to tell me a six one six two aging point guard which I know Dame plays point, but he's not. Dame is not Chris Paul. Never been true. So it's like, who's going to set up the offense? And Dame's clutch. He's not going to be scared at the moment, but it's like, who's going to set up the offense for them? So it's like you're looking at the landscape. If you want to be, if you want to be stubborn to keep those two to, two together, you got to kind of see who you can get as a point guard. But then it's also tough because then it's like, say goodbye to Derek White. Say goodbye to Malcolm Brogdon. Say goodbye to possibly Marcus Smart. If you want to bring in a quality point guard. Yep. So that's like that's why the Jalen Brown and it's kind of hard too because I was a defender of Brown, but it's like it's kind of hard now. It's like, do you really want to give this guy the supermax? Well, you have to, but it's like, is it a sign and trade possibility? Like, you know, I know a lot of people don't want to break it up, but it's like in Boston specifically, like this isn't Minnesota, this isn't Indiana, this yeah. isn't Charlotte, this is Boston. It's championship or bust. So you can't be like people saying, well, they're getting to the conference finals every year. So freaking what? Same thing with the Lakers. It's yeah. about championships. Nobody cares that the even though the Lakers were the AC, nobody cared that they got to the conference finals. Everybody, like maybe people who are not fan of the Lakers are like, oh, that was a good season. But no, it ain't. Laker fans are pissed because they're not in the mm. finals. Same thing with Boston. They have to, even though Boston had one to 2008, but it's still the expectations of the franchise. And if you want to get the finals, you gotta figure out some type of retool. And I ran it for a little bit, but you know, no. wants to go maybe they just need that. to bring Doc back. That'll get them back to the finals. Right? <laughs> <laughs> actually, Doc won a championship, so that nah. actually isn't a bad idea. Yeah, but it's yeah. a bad idea. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I'm going to echo that, Sean. I mean, I, I, to be honest, there really isn't too much that they need to change. I, 
I look at more of, of the schematic sense of this team, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, And I think part of that has to do with the players that they have available to use, right? Like, when Marcus Smart is assisting, they play well. Hell, there was a game where Derek White, I, I don't know if it was game six or if it, if it was game seven, he had six assists. Now, that might have been when he only had 11 points, right? But you just they're, – they're, and that's the thing. The NBA nowadays does not have as many guys that are willing to sacrifice the scoring to give you 12 assists a game. That's a fact. There's no more Steve Nash's. There's no more Jason Kidd's. There's no more vintage Chris Paul's. Actually, I call it the middle years of Chris Paul because he was a damn good scorer early in his career. Mm-hmm. They just they're it's all about the highlight reel, right? Or Rondo, another perfect example. He's arguably the oh, reason man, why they Rondo, won yeah. in 2008, why yeah. they were relevant through 2012, 2013. Hell, man, even when he was with the Bulls and Jimmy Butler, Rajon Rondo was the reason that the Bulls were relevant against the first seeded Celtics, man, when the Bulls were in eight seed with du- aging Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler. You know, so. You're, you're exactly right. They need a point guard like that. It's few and far between, though. And if you want one of yeah. those, they're rather coveted, especially on a team with two uh, your two stars being wing players. These guys, mm-hmm. This team is way too talented. They have two, what, what Tatum's first team yep. was Brown's yep. second team. Yep. yep. You're telling me that a team with two all-NBA first <laughs> all or second NBA, team players yeah. is not making the finals against an eighth seed with one true consistent all-star? That's ridiculous. So I agree with you, Sean, that their expect their expectation should be that they're at least yep. in the finals in a game six or seven in that finals, hopefully winning it. But I still, you know, if they're doing that consistently and they're making the finals every year, which they have been right around there a ton, especially since the bubble. But man, I mean, you're right. They'd have to blow up the trio of guards, right? Brogdon, Smart, and Derek White. They'd have yep. to probably only be able to keep one of them. My mind tells me that they would probably stick with Marcus just because of his ties to the organization. But at the same time, Derek White stepped up to probably be the best of the best. Nah, that's about to say. Right? So, And they yeah. did trade for him specifically from the Spurs, right? Zoo, I, I yep. forgot that he played for the Spurs because I didn't even know who Derek White was. And then he comes to Boston <laughs> and now, boom. Look where he's at. Yeah. So that was uh that was the early year of tanking, the year before yeah. the Wembenyama season. So they're ready man. for tanking. Hey, we're, we, hey, don't right get Sean going. Don't get Sean going on the Spurs mm. again, man. Don't get Sean going. But, but either real. besides the point, I just don't see, and I do agree, the Reeves is kind of an interesting pick. I do think he does prefer to score as well. He's and I scoring. think he does yeah. take the back seat more so on the Lakers because it's LeBron, and who wouldn't be a little nervous to to not pass LeBron the ball, right? So would he yeah. have the same type of respect for Tatum and Brown after seeing them combine in this type of game for <laughs> after game seven, maybe eight, not what, 12, right. 12 for 33 or something like that, that they shot together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so in my opinion, it's probably best if they break the duo up and bring in, yeah. maybe do a sign and trade Lillard that I agree. That's a little aggressive and not filling the hole that you really need to, to be filled at this point, but at least consider something else, man. Explore. I, it, yeah. it might be dumb, but if you can get, and I know he might be asking for money, and Zoo's probably going to laugh at this, but if you get James Harden on that team to play true point guard, that's not a horrible, if you could somehow package him Healthy, not yeah. getting rid of Jalen and Jason. I got to happen. He wants $200 million. Exactly, so, and they can't pay it. Yeah, he's not going to sacrifice. But, but does he, he have that leverage? Money. Does he have that yes, leverage at this point? Oh, he's going to he's gonna get something, but if it ain't the full max. He's well, going to get close to the max. stupid to do it, but. Well, Houston's got the money Houston to spend, be dumb. though. Yeah. 
but like, you know, but that's what I'm saying. I was just looking through a list of like potential games, but... true point guards that are down to assist, and we have seen Harden become a bit more of a true point guard the past two years or so. That's kind of a guy that you might need as long as he's willing to not jack up threes because that's the last thing this team needs. But he is a damn good passer and can play a really good true point guard role if that's what the team needs. So yeah, the, I don't know. Totally agree. The true point guard role. This is they have been list, like looking for this player for a long, long time. Like. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of point point forwards out there. Yeah, they don't have them. Mm. They have true nope. wing guys, bona fide scores. That's what they like to do. And they're three and they're, they're two way players, two way wings, and in, in like the most complimentary sense. But for me, man, the true point guard, man, there's not many of those in the league anymore. And a lot of them are really, really old. Like the one I think would for, perfectly with this team. Like I, this dude has been overpaid pretty much his entire career. Like overpaid a lot. Like this guy has made too much money for a guy that's made one all-star team mine but a guy like mike, mike conley, conley yep. mm-hmm. mike conley this dude is poised he hits open threes even hit though his assist numbers are not crazy high he's the definition of a true point he gets the guys the ball to the right spots Great on the offense man he's never too quick and in the playoffs he shows up in the playoffs man he got a mean floater game his three-point shot is the complimentary of of great wing players, man. Like Mike Conley, like this guy's up there in age. But if you get a year or two out of Mike Conley, if you're trying to win now, Mike Conley is a guy that you got to like have a little look to, man. Because Mike Conley, I think a guy like that fits perfectly with the dynamic wings of Tatum and Brown and having guys settle down the team. Because Mike Conley has a lot of playoff experience, man. And the way he can maintain an offense, man. Like, the assist numbers don't go crazy, man, but someone like that would fit perfectly. And a guy on the younger side, like a Tyus Jones, but with the John Moran situation, he ain't getting traded yeah, anytime no soon. Yeah. So nope. that guy's probably going to be close to untouchable with Jai acting a fool off the court. So a guy like Mike Conley, man, maybe you could do, like, a mm. trade for him, man. Maybe, like, a Malcolm Brogdon and something something else. Because Malcolm Brogdon right now is the six-man scoring guy. Give me a true point guard in there, like a Conley, man, and try to win Ooh. now with that. Because I feel like – complimentary skill set that's a complimentary skill set that he's not the most talented player but he fits what they need so someone yep. like that is the guy i'll be looking for if i'm the boston celtics instead I'd of trade. Completely, completely blowing it up would what, you trade marcus trade. smart would you package marcus smart for mm, something that's like that? tough that's tough i would like multiple handlers i would try to trade one of my bench guys and i've mm. uh you know me and picks man fuck them picks man i'm trying yeah, to win the championship yeah, man out, yeah. <laughs> boston celtics win 57 like 50 plus games every year man i'm good with trading my draft picks so yeah. marcus smart though might might become a little less relevant if this whole flopping rule thing comes into effect because he does that a lot <laughs> so much man that bam spin move last night like his body is beat up partly because he's flopping a lot and i'm not saying he's the only one that flops because everybody flops but he does it a lot to where he's hitting the ground a lot like some guys just flop and don't hit the ground he's always on the ground so i think he might become a little bit less effective uh and i just always had brought up just him out of that trio they need to break that up and part of the reason why i threw smart in there because you don't want to break up Tatum and Brown. Uh, so as a casualty, you just have Marcus Smart as a guy. He's just going to, you know, end up trading away. But it's interesting too, bro, mm-hmm. because I also was how last week we talked about Coach Missoula and like how he was in over his head. And I still think he struggled throughout this series. But I mean, this is their third head coach. So it's like, this is why the yeah. rumors of like, should they break up is kind of like gaining scene because it's like you had Brad Stevens who everybody was like, okay, this is one of the, the next great young head coaches. Then he's like, 
I can't deal with these guys. Let me go be in the freaking front office. Then you had Ian Udoka, which was a his situation is a situation, but you know, I mean, just full disclosure, I don't know if I if I'm Boston, looking at how this series played out, even though we were one you know went away from being back in the NBA Finals. I don't know if I would. I would have been really fighting not to fire Udoka. Like mm-hmm. I know people 100%. cheat and do stuff, but like seeing how like it. I think they were very arrogant on like, dude. We went to the finals last year. We have Tatum and Brown. Missoula will get the job done. And you saw talent didn't overachieve the team and the head coach and their exposure. So it's like losing Udoka, like was a huge thing. So now you have Missoula, and you know he fought back and got it back to a game seven. But it's like, man. So you're telling me, okay, let's get rid of Missoula. Well, who are you going to go get? And this is now their, what, fourth head coach? Like, I am, I ain't trying to hear that. Like, at some point, the two main guys need to be held accountable. That's why there's this tension of, okay, if we may go to new head coach route, that that's something we may consider. But at the same time, it's like, like I was saying last part, bro, y'all went to game seven with Braun in 2018, and now we're back at the same point. Like, I know it's... You know, and my my I think my, my mindset on this would be entirely different if this was Minnesota. But this is Boston, bro. Like Boston fans yeah. don't look at this crap as like, yeah, we're cool with just because just having guys that's gonna get there. Because I said it last part too, like, dude, Giannis was hurt. This was the year to get to the yeah, finals and win. Mm-hmm. So now you're telling me, oh, we're just gonna run it back, and now you gotta go through Giannis. You got, you know, all these up like you know who could be a surprise next year? Like, look at Orlando with all the talent they got. Look at Paolo and you. What if Paolo just goes nuts and start having like 28? Now, if you're a boss and you're a number two seed and you're going against a seven seed Orlando team that's got Paolo Bancaro going crazy, like, like it's you got Detroit with all their young guys. Like, there's teams in the East that are building. Look at the Cavs. That and you don't think they're pissed off that they got, yeah, like that's another thing. They got a lot of draft capital, they could trade for another star. Like, you're looking at the Cavs. They're pissed off that they got punked by the Knicks. Like, you don't think Donovan Mitchell is going to come back for blood? Like, it's just a lot of stuff where with Boston, like, I know everybody likes to play the age thing with Tatum and Brown. Like, they're young guys. But, bro, you get old in this league quick. And if you don't win a championship, a lot of this stuff gets quick. Like, we are we can maybe be two years from, like, oh, shoot, remember Tatum and Brown? Like, we, they were, like, always going to the conference finals. Now they're losing in the semis. Now they're losing in the first round to an upstart Cavs team or an upstart Orlando team. Like, that could happen quick. That's why I think it's a lot of urgency of if you're going to – because they're going to have to pay Jalen Brown. Like, you got to be creative and at least just explore what you want to do. Like, you can't just be stubborn and be like, no, we're just bringing them back. No, because if you do that, you could be disappointed. And plus, she was like, what are your options? Because it's like, like I saw, like, Bradley Bill, no, that doesn't help the problem. <laughs> Damian Lillard. Like, but Damian Lillard, I don't know what, like, now maybe with the games are close, Damian Lillard could bring him oh, home, yeah. but it's like, he's not a set-up point guard the way he's going to get Tatum oh. averaging 30. Like, so I just don't know what the options are out there. But it is nice to have that piece. Like, I do agree, like, you signed Brad. I don't care if he's like, give me. You sign and you sign Brown and figure it out later. You do mm-hmm. not be like, well, I don't want to pay you that, bro. No, yeah. pay him the max, and Super then we'll max. figure it out. Because Tatum's coming up the next year, yeah, the Super Max, and then Tatum's coming up the next year, and then you're figuring out. Because you also think too, like, what's, if if you're telling me like the Super Max of Tatum and Brown is around like six hundred million dollars, like that is going to be hard yeah. to stomach. Just think about it. If you're not making the finals. So you're going to have two contracts, man, combined for over $110 million. Cash space is projected around 130 140 
So you could do the math, man. That's a lot of percentage of the cap space, and you're going to be having a bunch of role players making less than like eight, nine million dollars. Yeah, like vet minimum guy. Like what? What would the third player? What would the third? Would it be like a mid level? I guess would be the third guy. Yeah, be like a mid level, like a. (laughs) <laughs> like like an Al Horford type man, like just like someone. And that's another thing. Al Horford probably needs to. He probably needs to hang him up, hang it up too. Yeah, yeah. Rob Williams is kind of got his space on there, and then let him play a little bit more. But it's like, yeah, I don't know what you could do after Rob Williams, and because then it's like we're talking about Marcus Smart. Like I probably after this series, you're looking him. at like, yeah. what about Derek cap White? space? Like, and with the know. with the new CBA rules, like if you're over the cap. There are significant ramifications of being a tax-paying team that prevents yep. you from making trades with your draft picks. Like, uh, there's a lot of restrictions. They're yeah. trying to make it like a hard Thanks cap. Thanks the Warriors. Pretty much. Exactly. They didn't yeah, want the – because much. the Warriors and the Clippers abused that luxury tax like no other teams in NBA history. So, they hit them back with this, and now you're going to be losing the ability to make transactions in the future. So, the way GMs have to build their team now, like the whole thing with the super team three stars, that's going to be close to impossible. Yep. Yeah, close because if you give three guys yeah. maxes, you're gonna have like like ten million dollars left to G-League spend on your guys. guys. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Hey, you're gonna be Miami. Guys. Yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, they're gonna be paying those G League guys soon, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're gonna get paid. So, like, that ain't gonna be happening right now. So, you teams might pivot with the one big star and some complimentary guys that aren't true number two options. So, it's really, really interesting seeing how this new CBA is gonna affect roster construction. Because there has been some chains that they're doing right now. Mm. Like, trade tax, man, it's going to be killing teams in the future. The offseason started today, and they're already busy thinking through all this, man. And that's going to be a brutal Brad Stevens is on the phone. Get to work, boy. You don't want to coach. You're working extra overtime, man. Yeah, back to coaching hours. (laughs) No, he is. I I think he's got a lot of tough decisions because you got to think about the Missoula piece and also Mm. the Brown piece, like, Boston's mm. going to be a very, very, very busy place this summer. So we're definitely going to be tuning into that and the NBA Finals, which starts, I think, Thursday, right? Yeah, Thursday. Mm-hmm. I think it starts Game Thursday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I said, it's a little bit – breaks a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more drawn out now with the game. So we'll be able to cover – I think it'll be through game two, I think, before the next pod. I think it'll come on. Or game three, I'm not sure. I think it'll be just two games that are played. Um, so – you know, like I said, this pod's only one day a week, guys. So yeah. we really can't we really can't give you the up to date analysis like a ESPN. But I will say, if you want to watch any of our content, make sure you're on Bullheaded underscore Pod um, on Instagram. Make sure you're on TikTok Bullheaded eight six four Quantrill knows on YouTube. That's where I put most of our socials, audio platform, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Make sure you vote on the pool, uh, the polls on there. And make sure you also give us a five-star review. And for me, Zoo and Peepush, we are out.